bring us in? Bring us in. Mr. Wilson, no good deed goes unpunished. Good morning. Bring us in. A long time now, and it, it really is a joy to serve you all. And this mic loves me. Is that better? So, I have an impossible task this morning, the impossible, humanly speaking, impossible task of taking about 30 minutes to convince you that you should love one another like God the Father loves his son Jesus, so that those who do not yet know Christ, that they will believe that he was sent by the Father and that the Father loves his people. That's a challenge to do in about 30 minutes, but there's good news. Jesus prayed this exact same for you. The exact same thing for you guys. Jesus has prayed that this would be done. And Jesus gets what he prays for. And so this is our hope this morning that God would do that in us, that he would work that way in us. And so as we pray, as we go to the word this morning, I want to, to pray Jesus' prayer over you in John 17, verses 20 through 25. Pray with me. Jesus says, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, even as we are one, I in them and, and you in me, that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and loved me or loved them even as you loved me. Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me may be with me where I am to see my glory, to see the glory that you have given me because you love me before the foundation of the world. And Father, we do pray that you would do that. We pray that you would honor this prayer of Jesus, that we would be one as you and your son are one, that we would be in you Father and Son, as Father, you are in the Son, that you would build a unity in this church around your word, through your word, that the glory that you share with us in Christ would, would motivate us in the work that you've given us to do, that your church would be shown as your church, God, that there would be no division, that there would be deep and rich love from one to the other, and that that would reveal who you are, that would show who you are, Father and Son. Father, I pray that you would protect our minds this morning, protect our words, protect our thoughts, that we might serve and love one another even as we sit under your word. I pray that you would bring to mind uh, certain responses and, and ways that you would like for us to act, and we submit all of that to you knowing that you're a good God that, that desires to, to see us be holy as you are holy, and that, that is your will. And so we submit ourselves to you in that way. We pray it in the name of Christ. Amen. So at North Wake, we believe that God wants us to live around three circles of relationship. And that those three circles are a relationship with God, a relationship with the church, and a relationship with our neighbors. And that the, the motivation and the goal of those relationships would be 
love. Love would be central in all of those relationships. And so what we've done since January is we've part by part, circle by circle, gone through and talked about each of those circles in depth. And so first we looked at uh, this circle of loving God and we learned about God's love for us and how we love him back. And then we moved the chairs so that we could see one another and consider how we might love one another. Uh, I really like the chairs. I'm a big fan. Uh, next week, the chairs will not be like this. Um, sorry to say it. Uh, but that signifies a transition that we will be making as we think about loving our neighbors. Larry threatened to uh, set the pulpit in the back to represent uh, outside. I don't think he's going to do that. Um, <laughs> But what we're going to do is transition next week into talking about neighbor love. How do we love our neighbors? And so my task this morning will be to make a bridge between love church, love neighbor. That will be the bridge that I'm trying to build this morning. And to do that, we'll be looking at the same patches that Larry taught us from last week from John 17. He helped us to see last week, Larry helped us to see that the unity of father and son it should be reflected in the relationships of the church, that deep unity, that deep love, that deep glory sharing. And, and so my goal will be to move the ball forward by showing how Jesus relates that love and unity to the relationships outside of the church. So that love and unity that we have together in Christ, how do we express that outwardly? How do we show that outwardly? That will be my goal this morning. I have five children, um, my oldest three are boys, and we've been watching a lot of basketball, ACC tournament, March Madness, NBA playoffs, NBA finals. I mean, we've been watching basketball since like April sometime. Uh, it, it's, it's really, really been great. And so one thing I love that they're doing is that they'll let you into the huddle, right? So they kind of mic up the, the coach so you can see what is he saying, how is he speaking to his players, how is he motivating them. Um, one thing they don't let you see is strategy parts. They don't kind of let you see what are the plays that they're running, what are the specific things he's telling this guy to do this and to do that. But I wonder, what would it be like to be in that huddle? They call a 20-second 20, a 20 timeout. There's 10 seconds, 10 seconds left, and the coach draws up a play. Right, draws the play up. He tells everybody, everybody what to do. Team goes out. They execute the play. They win by one. That would be exciting to see. Right? I, I would love to be a part of that and see that someday. But that, that seems to be at some level what John is doing in John 17. He's letting us into the huddle, if you will. These are some of Jesus' last words, some of his last hours, the last time of praying together with his disciples. And as he does that, he unfolds deep mysteries about God and his plan for the world as he prays. And we learn complex things about how the Father and the Son, each fully God, yet one God, how they have related to one another for all time, for eternity past, and how we should relate to one another and the world. And so the relationship of Father and Son is prototypical. It tells us what should our relationship to one another be like. And we're going to see that that relationship uncovers or reveals or shows who God is to the world. And so read with me 
Again, in John 17, verses 20 through 24. Jesus prays. He says, I do not ask for these only. He's speaking about the, the disciples. But also for those who will believe in me through their word. By extension, that is us. That they may all be one just as you, Father, are in me and I in you. That they also may be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them. That they may be, may be one even as we are one. I in them and you in me. That they may become perfectly one. So that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you loved me. Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, may be with me where I am to see my glory that you have given me because you love me before the foundation of the world. If you've not read this passage before, it can, it can come off a little bit like a Dr. Seuss book. But if we look closely, if you, if you pay attention, read it over and over again, kind of follow what's happening, you're going to see three big things, themes come out. Unity, glory, and love. Those are the things that just kind of come to the top as things are repeated. And so we see the Father and the Son, they share a unity, a, a unity that gives definition to the word unity. And so the Father and the Son are two persons, yet one being with one essence. So much so that Jesus can say, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father in John 14. So unified, he says that if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And this reality, it presses on our understanding of how multiple persons can be unified. So much so that they be called one. And this is instructive to us. Because though we are many persons, many members, we are one body. So again, the relationship of Father, Son, Holy Spirit is prototypical. It, it tells us, it informs us of what our relationship with one another should be like. Many, yet one, in a really significant way. We also see that there's a shared glory. The Father strives to glorify the Son. The Son likewise works to glorify the Father. But what does this really mean, glory, or, or to share glory? And, and many times we think of glory in a very sensory way. Uh, a bright light and a sound, maybe something like, ah. like That's kind of how we think about glory. And at some level it is, because Christ is the radiance of the Father, right? So, so in some way that is true. But at some level, uh, we need to think a little more uh, complex about it than that. And, and we get a couple of things, a couple of hints from the passage. In verse 24, we see it's a because you loved me type of glory. It's the glory given, shared to the Son, with the Son by the Father, because the Father loved him. So it's motivated by love. And then we see that that glory shared from father to son is also shared from son to believer. We also see in verse 22 that it's a glory that results in church unity, that reflects the divine father-son unity. So whatever this glory is that he shares, it produces unity 
in the church. So it's, it's, it's not the type of glory that one puts on like a, like a nice suit or a nice coat and flaunts about. Because that would be divisive, one above the other. It's a, it's a glory that humbles and unifies. If we survey the book of John, we see that there's at least three ways that this word glory is used. It can be used to talk about how someone is shown or revealed. So it's an uncovering, most of the time talking about the father or the son. That their glory revealed something about who that person is. Uh, secondly, it can be used to talk about getting or receiving respect or honor. Jesus, uh, many times in the book of John, talks about that people want to glorify themselves, yet he doesn't glorify himself. He wants to be glorified by his Father. So it's a receiving of honor. And lastly, it can be used to talk about in recognition, a recognition in light of a responsibility kept. And so Jesus will say things like, Father, I have glorified you because I accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And so this, this word glory is, is dynamic. And so John uses the word glory to show that love, honor, respect, re- responsibility that God has shared. He shared it with Christ. He shared it with the church. So we see unity. We see glory. And lastly, we see love. That, that there's a love between father and son that, again, it gives definition to the concept of love. If you don't begin with the love between father and son, if that's not your starting place for understanding what love is, you will have a misconception of what love is. You have to start with that relationship because that love existed before humanity. And it's the overflow of that love that motivated creation. Again, the love of God is, is exemplary. It's prototypical. It came before. It is the prototype for the way that we love. And so this concept of love, it can be summed up in, in our two first points. That there is no disunity in being or purpose of father and son. They're not disunified in what they do, what they're up to, their mission. But they're not disunified in their being. They are one father and son. And secondly, there's there's this eternal love through glorifying one another. My oldest daughter, Johanna, she is about to turn four in October. um, And oftentimes she'll come up and say, I love you, dad. And I'll say, I love you more. And she says, no, I love you more. And I say, no, I love you more. She says, no, I love you more. And I say, no, I love you more. And we do this until someone gets tired or distracted. And I think at some level, this is reflective of what the father and the son have always been doing with probably a little more substance. (laughs) That they've been loving each other in word and deed for all eternity. And much like when you walk up to a door, you know, you and another person walk up to the door at first and you say, you go first. And they say, no, no, you go first. And you say, no, no, you go first. That at some level, they have been saying for all eternity, you be first. And the other says, no, no, you be first. And the other says, no, no, you be first. There's an eternal fame shifting, if you will, a deferring to and honoring of one another for all eternity. September 24th of 1984, 
there was the longest point in professional tennis history was played. Uh, a lady named Vicki Nelson and Jean Hepner, they shared 643 shots over 29 minutes. A single point in tennis lasting 29 minutes. As I was reading this article, they were explaining how they're, they're just standing at the, at, the, at the baseline, just lobbing the ball back and forth to each other. I mean, one point for 29 minutes. When it's over, one of the ladies just like falls over in exhaustion. They're just lobbing the ball back and forth. This could be a good example of what God has been up to for all eternity. Lobbing love and honor and respect back and forth. And eternal fame shifting, if you will allow me to say that. You be first. No, you be first. You be great. No, you be great. And that, that, that love is motivating all of that. An eternal deferring of fame and honor and worthiness to one another, motivated by love. What we see is that God loves. He is love, as John would say in 1 John 4. And it's as if we're seeing this endless relational chain between father and son. Love, glory, unity. Love, glory, unity. Love, glory, unity. And that they're working together in a relational chain of activity between father and son. And we see in the text that this, this complex mix of love, glory, and unity then gets aimed directly at those who follow Jesus, those who would believe. Jesus prays that they would be one as the father and son are one. He says that he has shared his glory with these people and that the father has loved them. He then tells us what one of his purposes is in doing all of that. God has loved with a purpose. He has shared with a purpose. He has built unity with a purpose in his church. And Jesus prayed that all these things would happen. And here's the purpose. Look at verse 21. It says, that they may all be one just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us so that... The world may believe that you have sent me. And then again, in verse 23, I and them and you and me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you loved me. He wants the world to believe. He wants the world to know to believe and know certain things, to believe that the Son was sent by the Father, to, to know that the Son was sent, and that's an expression of his love for his people. That's what he wants the world to know. And his expectation is that would be seen in us. It seems here that God has put his church on display for all to see, so that they can see who he is as he is reflected in his church, his people. God is saying to the world, come and see who I am. Look at my church. That's a scary thought. Come and see who I am. Look at my church. He wants to show who he is through his church. Many members, one body. Loving, deferring, fame-shifting. Putting others first, unity, 
diversity. He wants to show something about himself through his body. I recently had a conversation with a dear friend of mine who is a U.S. Marshal. Uh, This guy, he tracks down really, really, really bad people. When the police can't find people, they call him. And he goes and he finds them. That's what he does. Child abusers, terrorists, murderers, that's what this guy does all day long. He arrests and tracks down and finds the worst people that you can think of. And we were at a wedding, uh, he and I, recently together, and uh, we were chatting, and uh, he asked me, out of nowhere, so do you think we're at the end of the world? He knows I'm a, I mean, he knows I'm a pastor, right? Like, what are you going to get when you ask the pastor, do you think it's the end of the world? So, uh, so he kind of opens the door wide open, right? And so I say to him, I can't be sure, why do you ask? This leads us into this discussion about the depravity of man. How, how bad really is man? And he just kind of doubles down and says, look, man's pretty bad. I, I see stuff. And, and not just people who you would expect to be bad, but people you would expect to be good, yeah, they're bad too. And then he mentioned an arrest that he made of a pastor who had abused people in his congregation, people he should have taken care of, people he should have defended, people he should have protected. And he looks at me and says, it's not supposed to be like that. The church is not supposed to be a place where that happens. And I told him, you're exactly right. Even as an outsider, he looks inside and says, that's not right. Christians should love people. And this is the big silencer, right? When you're sharing the gospel with people, this is the the thing you just pray does not happen. And, And he said something to me. He said, but I've been watching you, and I've been watching your family. I've known this guy my whole life. And he's seen me become a believer. He's seen me walk with Christ. And he says, I've been watching you. And the way that you love people is different. And that was a green light for me to say, you know why? Because I have a fantastic father who has loved me and he's changed me. He is changing me. And I still have faults and I still have sin that I am uh, recovering from. And if you see anything good in me, it's because of who my father is. Our love for one another, our genuine following of Jesus gives a place for our words to land and make sense in the eyes of the world. So what I said to him made sense because he has been watching me. And brothers and sisters, the world is watching us. And they should. Don't be mad that the world is watching you. They should be watching you. We have something to show them. We have a great father, and he loves us. They should be watching you. Jesus made it this way, that they would watch you and see something about him and his father. And so Jesus' prayer helps us to understand that there will be church watchers. And if you're here this morning, and you have not yet placed your faith in Christ, you've not fully given him your life, but you're looking to see if what we say is true, We're glad you're here. We want you here. Please, come more. Watch us. Consider what we say and see if it matches our love for one another. The doors are wide open 
come take a look. We see in John 13, 34 through 35. He says, speaking to his disciples, before he leaves them, he says, A new commandment I give you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love one for another. And so, if you're a church watcher, don't take people's word for it. If someone tells you, I follow Jesus, watch them. And watch how they love and see if they are. If you are here and you call yourself a follower of Jesus, a disciple, watch yourself. See if this passage is true in your life. Not perfectly, because remember, back in our other passage it says that they may become perfectly one, right? May become tells us that it hasn't happened yet and it's going to happen as a process. But that that's growing in you. So those who follow Jesus, his disciples will be known by their love for other disciples, other Christians. That's how we know. That's how they know. And so this scenario that Jesus lays out for us this morning, it it makes me think of going to the pool. When you go to the pool, you have people who are in the pool. They're fully in. They're splashing. They're dunking. Enjoying all that the pool has to offer. And then you have others who are just watching. Not like creepy watching, (laughs) but like... They're just there watching. Like they, they're supposed to be there for some reason. <laughs> they came to the pool. They have a towel in case they get in, but they really don't want the hassle of getting wet and all the commitment of getting in and all that means. I tend to want to be this person many times. So they sit by the edge of the pool. They might even put their feet in the water, but they're not swimming. They come to the pool whenever it's open, but they never swim. They never really get in, though all the swimmers are telling them, come on in, the water is great. They just watch. Going to the pool and watching does not make you a swimmer. It makes you a watcher. In the same way, Jesus tells us that if you are my disciples, you will get fully in. You will love with no turning back, a no turning back love. Even though it will be hard, you will love. You will love, Jesus says, like I have loved. He is the example of that love. And that's a pretty hard love that he has loved us with. Swimmers swim, disciples love, watchers watch. So would you ask yourself this morning, would you be willing to do this? Are you watching the church or loving the church? Are you a watcher or are you a lover? Are you content to sit on the edge and dip your toes in, or have you gotten fully in? Head under, no turning, by, no turning back, cannonball, I'm all in, in. Because if you have not, I want to say to you, come on in. If you don't know how to love, we'll show you, like Jesus showed us how to love. If you have questions, we'll try our best to answer. But if you're watching this morning, you should believe that Jesus came from God and that God loves his people and that he wants you in here with us. Come on in. The water's fine.
Maybe you are in the pool this morning. You're all in. Snorkel, fins, floaty, the whole deal, you're in. And maybe you take loving the church really serious. And here's my question for you. Is your pool public? Are you giving people the opportunity to see what it looks like to, to get in and love one another? To be loved by the Father. To love as Christ loved. Is the gate of your life open? Are you telling others, come and see, come and watch? Are you inviting watchers to your small group? Are you asking watchers if you can pray with them? Are you asking watchers if they would like to read the Bible together with you? Are you inviting watchers in to see what is your life like? Are you using your life together, that life that you love and enjoy here at North Lake, are you using that life together to call others in? Or is that a life that you live together that doesn't have place for people to come and watch? Look with me again at John 17. 23 to 24 says, I in them and you in me that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you loved me. Father, Jesus says, I desire that they whom you have given me may be with me where I am to see my glory that you have given me because you love me before the foundation of the world. So, whether you're a church watcher or a church lover, don't miss what's being offered to you. Jesus wants you to know that his Father loves. When you think of God the Father, the first word you should think of is love. He loves. He loves his people with the exact same love that he loves his son Jesus. It's the same love extended, that love that they've had, Father, Son, for all eternity, it's extended to all who would believe. That's amazing. You are invited into the love of God. Come on in. Come and see. A forever love that does not waver. It does not stop. It does not depend on you. It's rooted in the Father's character. He's always been doing it. Before God was a creator, he was a father. Before God was a judge, he was a father. He has always been loving with a fatherly love. And he wants to lavish that. He wants to pour that all over his people. And he is doing that in Christ. And he's calling us to live that way, to live in that love, to walk in that love to be in that love, to express that love, to share that love with him, with one another. Jesus also wants you to know that he wants his people with him. And so he's saying, come in close. Come near. He asks his father, who can do all things, this is the God who does all things, he asks him to make sure we, the church, make sure we get to see something. Jesus wants to show you something. He uses his words to pray to make sure that you get to see something. And so what does he want you to see? He wants us to see what great things the Father says to the Son. 
because that's part of the glory that they shared forever. The father saying to the son, you are my son in whom I'm well pleased. He wants you to see his father saying that to him. He wants to invite you in that, to see that. He wants you to understand the work that he was given to do on your behalf. That glorifies him. And he wants you to see that. He wants to invite you into seeing this glory. He wants you to see what great love the Father has lavished on his Son. He wants you to see that. And he is calling the church to see the love the Father has for the Son. And to be caught up into this love as sons and daughters of God. It'd be really tempting with a passage like this. And this was my temptation in teaching this passage. is to say, you should love each other so that other people will come to Christ. And that's kind of the idea here. But that's kind of the tail wagging the dog. No, no, no. You should love because God has loved you and has always loved his son and has invited you into that love. And he has loved you in Christ the way that he has always been loving And therefore, you should love that way. And when you do that, oh, by the way, the world will see that love and know things about God. And they will desire that type of God, that type of love. It's compelling. And so we show the gospel that we preach. So words and deeds. The gospel that we preach, we show it in the way that we love one another. We display that love. We display the glory of God who God is and what he's given us to do. We display that in the way that we love, the way that you love in your home, the way that you love at work, the way that you love in this church, the way that you speak, the way that you act, the way that you respond. All of this is showing something about God. And so I'll leave you with this. For the Christian, every day is Father's Day. Every day is Father's Day. And it's our hope that if you're here watching that you will see and know the love of our Heavenly Father today. That you'll see it here. You'll you'll know something about it and see something about it. And that you'll have questions and that you'll ask. You'll ask, why do you do the things that you do? Why is it that way? Why do you love the way that you do? It's my prayer that more and more in my life people will ask me, why do you love the way that you love? That would be really cool. I don't get a lot of those requests right now. I don't have people knocking down my door and being like, man, you just get, you get your love on with people. Like, I, I'm not, I'm, I'm, but I want that because I know that that is what Christ has given me and giving me his glory. I, I know he's provided that and I want to walk in that. And Jesus prayed that you and I would walk in that. And so that's my prayer for us this morning that we would be a true reflection in a real, genuine, substantial way, a reflection of the father and son relationship because we're in that relationship and we show that relationship and others would believe what God says. That he sent the son and that he loves his people, that they would believe those things. Will you pray that with me? Father, we do pray that you would continue to lavish your love on us and you promised you would do that and so we know that you will. 
We pray that you would bring a unity to this church, to this body that is reflective explicitly of your love, Father, Son, love for all eternity. Father, we ask that every day for us would be Father's Day, that we would be showing the love of the Father for the Son in our relationships with one another, that we would love like the Son has loved us because you loved the Son that way. And that that would show that we are your disciples. These are all requests that we cannot accomplish in and of ourselves. These are, these are supernatural God things. And I, I believe that's why your son Jesus prayed. And so we fold into those prayers. We uh, integrate into those prayers and say yes and amen. Please, Lord, do that. Do that in this church. Do that in your church as a whole that the world might see who you are. We submit these prayers to you knowing that it pleases you to answer yes. We pray it in the name of Christ.